Hello and welcome back to the IDC Tech Talk podcast. I am your host, Miles Dawson, and today we're going to take aim at the PC market and ask some big questions around its future. Um, here with me, I have a panel of speakers from IDC's tracker team. Uh, just, let's go quickly around the room and uh, do some introductions. Um, Daniel, do you want to go first? Hi, I'm Daniel Gonsalves, leading the tablet research in Western Europe, also covering PC devices. Hi, I'm Liam Hall. I lead the PC gaming research for Western Europe, and I also cover PC and tablet. Hi, I'm Malini Paul. I lead the PC and tablet research in Western Europe, looking at the different trends in the market, and I'm also part of the future of work practice. All right, thank you for those introductions. Now, um, I'm just going to come out and ask it. The PC market, the doomsayers have been saying that it's dead. Do you think that's true? No, it's certainly not, Miles. As in fact, worldwide, more than 250 million units have been shipped in 2018 alone, which represents almost $200 billion market. Besides, PCs are, are still of paramount importance to major OEMs, as we have seen, and also component manufacturers in terms of you know, the revenue generation. And of course, the PC market is mature, as, as we all know, as it doesn't generate the same growth rates as it did in the past. But we certainly still see many pockets of growth, mainly the, the commercial segment as a whole being one of them. Indeed, and this is mainly because personal computing devices still are and will continue being the primary productivity tool. There isn't really any other system that can threaten PCs in the forthcoming years in this role. Well, it can change in terms of form factors, to more efficient ones, to more adaptable, in, in the increasing need for mobility, for example. And it is actually desirable that it happens so, that uh, as this will enrich the device ecosystem and stimulate renewals. But personal computing devices will continue being the primary productivity device. And one thing I think is very important to add is that the PC market has proven to be resilient time and time again. There are two types of inhibiting factors that typically impact the PC market. There's the macroeconomic factors that apply to the market as a whole, and also those that affect the PC market specifically. Okay, so you mentioned inhibiting factors. Um, do you think there's been a political scenario in Western Europe impacting the PC market? Western Europe, yeah, the two main ones I'd point out are Brexit in the UK and the Yellow Vest movement in France, both of which have had quite large impacts on the market. If we look at Brexit, which I'm sure most of the listeners are sick to death of hearing by now, the commercial impact of the budget uncertainties that it's brought about it made it very difficult for OEMs to predict the demand levels they would require. When we turn to the Yellow Vest movement, that's more of a consumer impact. So, as you can imagine, customers are quite scared to go to brick-and-mortar retail stores if there's riots on the streets. And those that are ordering from e-tailers, they're quite concerned that they're not going to be able to get their products if there's roadblocks in the way. Um, despite both of these economical uncertainties, we're still seeing quite a resilient PC market, which just shows that it can overcome these adversities. But surely that would impact uh, consumer electronics as a whole, not just the PC market? Yes, and that's why I mentioned there's the two types that impact the market. There's the macroeconomic situations, which do impact consumer electronics as a whole, mm-hmm. and also the specific PC markets. Oh, right. So what are the specific PC inhibiting factors, would you say? Um, so we are seeing two types of component shortage, the short term and the long term. And in short term, we are seeing component shortage. And by component shortage, I mean CPU, specifically from Intel, where we are seeing constrained supply on certain lower end processors. Now, this is impacting the shipments on both desktops and notebooks. Now, vendors are dealing with this situation consciously on a case by case basis. 
by prioritizing fulfillment of deals and setting up the right expectations uh, with their customers, etc. Now, this situation is also providing opportunities to their to Intel's main competitor, who is AMD, uh, who we have seen ramping up fast in the PC space uh, in in the recent quarters. Nevertheless, the shortage situation is expected to stabilize by the end of 2019. Okay, so that's the short term. What about the long term inhibiting factors? So, so in the long term, what we are seeing is the change in adoption behavior uh, of the PCs that's going to impact the overall PC and tablets market because customers are retaining their PCs for a longer period of time. So that's the only long term inhibiting factor that we are seeing on, 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 in this market. Fantastic. So uh, that's enough of the doom and gloom questions. Let's look on the positive side. And um, what are the um, positive drivers that are pushing the PC market forward? So yeah, as mentioned, the commercial segment is expected to be uh, the main driver of the PC market and the one that generates growth. Uh, because as discussed earlier, PC will remain being the best for, for productivity. Um, in terms of uh, specific events that will impact the market soon, I would have to mention the end of Windows 10 supports in 2020. Um, this is expected to trigger a wave of renewals in the existing install base, similarly to what happened in 2014 with the end of uh, XP support. Wasn't there an organisation that um, paid Microsoft to keep uh, providing custom support for XP? What, was that the British government? <laughs> they uh, happen sometimes in public sector or, yeah. or like verticals where they're not um, ready to transition, like healthcare is very common. Legacy yeah. architecture. Yeah. Legacy architecture. And that's, that's kind of the key point, isn't it? Is um, transitioning these things, especially when you have legacy applications and legacy environment, mm -hmm. it's part particularly more complicated. Exactly. Yeah, and, and Microsoft uh, provides uh, a certain, uh, allows their customers uh, to extend beyond their end of uh, support, uh, you know, date at, at a cost. At, at a cost. Uh, mm -hmm. which kind of, it, it, at a high cost, let's put it like that. So what other factors are there then? Um, this mobile workforce is generating uh, um, an increasing number of users uh, scenarios and this is definitely gaining traction and this is a great opportunity for uh, ultra um, portable form factors such as uh, ultra slims, convertible and detachables. Okay, so there's definitely still opportunity in the consumer market then? Yeah, so picking up from what Daniel's just said there, it is the newer, more premium form factors, so the ultra-slims, the two-in-ones, that are really continuing to elicit consumer interest. But we can't talk about consumer without talking about gaming. Uh, gaming has been enjoying some seriously strong growth rates over the past couple of years. This may have slowed down slightly in recent quarters, coinciding with the burst of the uh, cryptocurrency bubble, as some of the higher-end devices were being used to mine those data coins. But nevertheless, it's definitely going to offer a pocket of growth in the foreseeable future. As for the future of gaming, I don't see a particularly strong paradigm shift yet, but we are seeing the introduction of uh, cloud gaming. Interestingly, we've seen that so far it seems to be Sony who is the front runner for this. But we're seeing a lot of new OEMs throw their hat into the ring. Absolutely. And uh, what about the esports industry? Esports is just blowing up. It still is. I think there's um, an industry consensus that in 2019 it's going to top 1 billion in revenue. Talking about the components piece, it's actually really interesting that I, um, one of my clients was, is NVIDIA. Mm. Of course, if you go to the NVIDIA website, they talk about their graphics cards, but they, um, there's actually a relatively small part of their website where they talk about consumer. The rest of it is talking about using GPUs to drive AI programs yeah. because they're one of the most effective sort of parallel you know, uh, computing power. 
nice. Um, <laughs> but it's you know that they they have a really strong business message around driving AI, and as opposed to just buying them to put stick in PCs and use mm. graphics cards. Yeah, they've got a wide range of uses. I saw something today about uh, Nvidia using the graphics cards to generate like real life pictures from very basic colors put onto a, on a page. Mm. It's worth checking out. Absolutely, and you've seen that new technology where they can generate a completely photo, a photorealistic face purely using AI. Yeah. So they can generate faces that don't exist, it's but they look like, like a photo. Yeah. Scary. <laughs> All right, so what else is in store for the, uh, the PC market in the future then? Well, lots of things. First of all, uh, to understand the future of PC, we have to understand what the PC is going to be like, at least in the near future. Uh, Project Athena, for example, was announced by Intel earlier this year in CES and provided us some clues on what this might be. Um, so very briefly, Athena is a project in which Intel is aiming to bring the next generation of ultra slims or ultra books, if you like. And, and is doing this by working very closely with their main partners, which happens, in, since we're talking about Intel, uh, the main players of the market. So OEMs, ODMs, software providers, so we're talking about the, the big guys here, right? So HP. Uh, Google, Microsoft, Quantum Computers, all, all of them are on board of this. Um, and uh, uh, this new generation of uh, ultra-slims will be just about continuously slimming down the PC form factor. Uh, it will be about enhancing the capabilities of the existing mainstream form factors, uh, and especially to equip them with all the cutting-edge technology that constitutes um, the present in some instance, but mainly the future of, of the IT industry. Uh, it will be about AI, uh, the ability of the device to assist you and to adapt you to your daily professional tasks. It will be about connectivity, uh, always securely connected PCs, ready for the uh, soon-to-happen 5G transition. It will be about responsiveness uh, and instant action, so about being always ready to go wherever you are. Uh, PCs must go from sleep uh, to wake instantly, for example. Uh, and these are the essential aspects of the new generation of PCs. Um, that will be in the market soon. Absolutely, and that's one of the reasons why you're seeing so many more PCs shipping with solid-state drives, right? Because that's what you want. You want them to turn on immediately, exactly, you know, as opposed to the you know the older the old hard disks wearing away. Exactly. <laughs> okay, great. So that's on the uh, hardware side. So is there anything exciting coming down the pipe on the services side? Yeah, that's an interesting question, Miles. So yes, we have it, and we call it DAS. Now DAS stands for Device as a Service which is a multi-year agreement with a single provider in which hardware, software, and full lifecycle services of end-user computing devices are offered in as a service model into a single subscription. And I think that um, is a really important component of what IDC calls the future of work, right? Technology is changing the current workplace and with new workforce coming into um, enterprises, what we are seeing is a requirement for the enterprises to provide flexibility to the to the employees in the workplace. That's what DAS provides. It helps in scaling up or down in terms of devices. Now we have also seen that devices are not the standalone piece that's required, uh, that's required in a workplace. It definitely has to be wrapped around with services to make life easier for the IT departments within the enterprises. All right, thank you everybody. It's been a fascinating discussion today, but I'm afraid that is all the time we have. Uh, thank you all very much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on SoundCloud or wherever you find your podcasts. And don't forget to get in touch with us on LinkedIn, YouTube, or on Twitter. Our handle is IDC underscore Emir. We'll also put the uh, Twitter usernames of the panel today in the description of the podcast below. And thank you all very much, and see you next time.
Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you very, you very much. much.